know how anyone can like like expect to talk about Antonio Noki in anything other than like a three hour long form talking to a bunch of guests. And like I said, keeping a strong style boys, which I am like, I was stunned to see them, you know, ask questions, very happy to see that. Hopefully they promote the show. I'll promote them. But like, um, I'm sure like they're getting guests on and they'll be talking about this whole thing. That'd be great. There'll be lots of insights from great people. Um, and so I recommend, I do recommend if you want insights on Anoki, go to those guys. Uh, well, what does that do? Like, where does Anoki fit in what I'm watching now? Like, where does that, how does yeah, that fit uh, it, now? It, it, it feels almost like an abstract fit. Like it doesn't, it's like one thing is not like the other. It is, there's, it's like the philosophy is there but not but in an applied way that you can you can necessarily point and say that's, that's what it is that's what it is yeah and cuz i think a, it's it's probably across the whole thing in small forms like the entire presentation i don't know like when i go back and watch i i watch old stuff with him and it feels shoot fiery it feels like presented like a fight Mm. and then you watch the stuff when he's sort of no longer wrestling and he's like going into the full kind of like encouraging guys to go to into pride and and different things and he there's like a contempt (laughs) For the thing that is created almost <laughs> because the guys that he's trying and then you know like things like encouraging a gala to actually shoot fucking hashimoto the champion to take the title off him yeah. like he's that's pretty fucking sketchy <laughs> <laughs> you think irreparably damaging the career of one of the his greatest creations you know like yeah like um and as a result like a bunch of dudes were pissed and left left so and then the level of pomp and circumstance he surrounded himself with you know wearing crowns and fucking like these big almost like like moving altars through the fucking arena and like that that's what i said like that man like the ego on on the man made a big enough head for it it is something to behold like he truly he truly fucking lost his mind though <laughs> in all the best ways Dave. come on now like it's this the tale of antonio inoki and the parallels between him and vince mcmahon for example yeah they're, they're there like they're so there but he like shoot did what vince mcmahon did when vince wanted to bring the nwo in i want to kill my creation antonio inoki beat him to it it was like yeah i'll do yeah. that i'll fucking kill it i'll show you how to do it i'm going to bring in all these shoot fighters for jesus and all this stuff i'm going to bring him in i'm going to give him the title our Gower, I'm going to let uh, encourage, you know, allegedly to, mm. to do what he did to Hashimoto. And again, impacted those guys' career, pissed them off, forced them out, you know, in some ways, almost like he was trying to do what, <laughs> like, I don't know, I don't think I'd not give him credit for, but he was trying to encourage those guys to do what he did all those years ago and go off and start their own federations, which, you know, yeah, yeah. many of them did, uh, not to varying degrees of success. But I, as I said, man, like there's something endearing about the belief. There's just something endearing about a guy who believes in himself so much that 
he can't understand why others can't do what yeah. he can do or can't get to where he can get to. And it, it means that he made, <clears throat> made him a tremendous pro wrestler, but not necessarily the greatest long-term booker, you know, like, yeah. But there, I mean, there's a level of insanity at that attached to that where i'd be very intrigued <laughs> to have like a psychotherapist try and break down <laughs> on the couch the with antonio noki yeah some but, of the fucking movies but, he made but here's the thing dave like there's so many things about that psychology that when i listen to tanahashi talk i mean we're not talking that far removed from insane belief in yourself Belief in your philosophy about how you do it. Like, be more like me. Mm. I mean, that's like... Yeah, yeah. But learning yeah, I mean, from they, the like impact it's, of Anoki. It's filtered, it's filtered down, for sure. But but the benefit for a guy like Tana is he had Anoki. So he could see what not to do. He had the yeah. guys that he... Like, Anoki informed Muto. <laughs> like, look at Keiji Muto. Yeah. Like, there's so much of the... So we're the egos. Like... There's so much of that in those guys that the next generation were able to see the impact and the dangers of when when keeping it real goes wrong, basically. There's some part of me that wishes that, as you said before, Dave, that um, about New Japan products and people could get involved and engage with it. There's part of me that wishes that, like, the beauty of where New Japan is now and the beauty of what it's always been is it almost treats itself in the way that sort of Anoki position in japan it almost treats itself like it treats itself like a sport or like you said the universe that exists and it almost like just presents itself the same way Noki did like yeah what like yeah come on like it presents yeah. itself like it is and you have to like trust in the thing like invest in the thing there's i just feel like when you start something when you design something and you have an intent and Noki had an intent he couldn't control his creation. It got out of hand and he tried to craft it back to what he wanted it to be, the roots of what it wanted to be, but it was growing up without him. And I don't think Anoki could handle yeah. it where it was headed. And so he's fucking trimming the hedges, trying to get it back to be manageable to what he wants it to be. It started to fucking burn it. But out of those ashes, you know, rises this golden era. And I don't think you get, you can't get the golden era without those disastrous impacts. Like, like, look at how big a star Shinsuke Nakamura became. And the reason he became that was because he had one presentation as Anoki's anointed champion, literally winning the title in like his third whatever, like coming out and being positioned straight out of the young boy, the biggest push you'll ever get. And then being this like shoot fighter presentation with very little pomp and circumstance, very little flash. But as he moves forward, becomes the king of strong style, adopts all of the pro wrestling tropes that are anti-anoki the opposite of anoki he has that base and people believe in him from the base and they see the next generation of what pro wrestling could be and where it was headed and i think the base of pro wrestling that anoki built informed by gotch you see it in suzuki you see it in shibata that base you see it in every young boy they all look they all come in they all look like anoki they all dress like anoki because that's the young boy way right they start in that system that foundation of anoki is what everyone has and they've figured a way to like rein in the lunacy and you get a Tanahashi where it's like strong base, awesome foundations, but understands where the line is and will not cross it. And I think that, yeah, for me, the legacy of Anoki is in the foundations, what New Japan do. It's in the legitimacy of how they present their world. And it's in their confidence they have in their approach to pro wrestling and their belief that what he wanted to do 
And what, what New Japan and some extent Japanese pro wrestling wanted to do was to export that as an example of what Japanese people and what Japanese culture could be as a way of transforming what was a Western concept and re like adding a new element, adding the martial arts component, bringing in that philosophy and seeding that and planting that in different places. That yeah. philosophy hasn't changed. That's what New Japan believes in itself and it still believes itself to be the king of sports. And that's Anoki. And it drives all of their decision. It drives the position they do. It drives everything. So for me, I try to remember man, the man in the in the black shorts and the black uh, black trunks and the black boots, and less the man in the fucking robes on the fucking crucifix. I'm trying to, yeah, try to yeah, move yeah. back to that era. <laughs> remember that guy. Remember that one. If you and like wrestling. New Japan Pro Wrestling, yeah. If you like any form of pro wrestling that's contemporary, you yeah. cannot tell it without maybe one but of I'm the top five. In Japan, like there's, it's like he's a revered icon over there yeah. and you know maybe the newer generation doesn't have the same understanding because he wasn't you know on the tv they didn't experience him the way what came before but they'll still know he's a myth he's a legend yeah. like the, yeah. this 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 idea and they and also they see new japan pro wrestling they see how great it is and they understand that he's the guy that started it so yeah, he that always he has that it, yeah he has that that ethos or that uh that sort of myth mythos is like the, the sort of the way and myth is a great way to describe the man like that everyone knows where this show is going to go tonight they're all coming in expecting for the enoki talk you know yeah. like coming for the enoki discussion and look but to some extent like the people that listen to our show you, you gotta imagine that they're not necessarily expecting the enoki <laughs> discussion like they're probably think we're probably gonna let them down because they're probably coming in expecting some like grandiose like a uh, weird comparison. No one is one thing and no one describes more than one thing than Antonio Noki, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's the thing, like people will talk about him and they'll, they'll have these great, you know, retrospectives and what it means to, for his legacy and these sorts of things. That's cool. And they can do that. Yeah. I just like how we can eulogize him with. The Talking about what like shit can he is. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, great intro last week, buddy. That was absolutely spectacular. You incorporated the Scott Nortoner. The doll dickless himself. And uh, we are we work stiff. We are a bunch of guys who talk about wrestling, particularly of New Japan style. And how do you spell that? NJPW. Hello, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. My name is the ravishing Red Rude. Apologies for going on an excursion. I had to get my monies from all my gimmicks. I am joined, of course, over yonder by the token war pimp. pimp. Token war? Token <laughs> war? himself, Dr. Dave Pruden. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Hi, Dr. Dave. <laughs> and as always, the king of dog style all by himself. It is the chocolate mouse himself. The man made making the magic happen. The man is going to have a lot of fun with all this editing, with all of Dave's files coming and going. You say goodbye and I say hello. It is Dr. Julius Josh Krachten. Oh, thank you, Red. Both German and Scottish. The Kraken. That's <laughs> tremendous. Yes. Oh, yes. King of dorks. 
that's great to have you back, Red. Really, uh, Dave did a great job in terms of the. Uh, but it, you know, he had. I think he had a script. I think he cheated. I think he he, pre, he came. Didn't prepared. have a script. Oh. I had thought of it, but I didn't have a script. Oh, it. Oh, look. Uh, it's all right, Dave. Dave, if you want to know, I the have AW a of intros here. I have a script for every one of the intros. Okay. I, I write them all down. <laughs> days days ahead, and I rehearse them. They're on. Would, they're on the. They're on the walls of your bedroom. I would like to see how that's actually written. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a just just some scribbling. It's a bunch of. It's yeah. a picture of like a, a tokamore pimp. Like a mathematical mouse. equations. And, yeah. yeah, Scott Norton with a penis and AEW. Yeah, he, no, he just turns up at universities like Will Hunting, writing them on chalkboards, and just yeah. leaving them around. That's go, oh wow, this, who's this genius that's producing this amazing content? You, you should have seen when I trolled as a tattoo artist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. I like how they troll that, right? I like that there's an apprentice. There's a troll to that. Um, Why yes, did well, tattoo just when you thought I was done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's time for fun. I'd like to see where you put that on your body. Um, <laughs> yeah, so in any case, uh, we're back. We're a, we're a podcast. We're, you're damn right we're a podcast. And, and you're, you're listening to us right now, wherever you are. Hope you're having a happy lunch. Yeah, it's been another, it's been a very newsworthy week, obviously. Um, I mean, obviously in the new world of New Japan Pro Wrestling, there's pretty much, it's near impossible to avoid the the massive shadow being cast this week by the passing of Antonio Inoki. I think that's the largest chin in wrestling. Yep, the biggest chin that's, that's ever existed. The man, um, I mean... A lot of podcasts are going to be doing a lot of great work in terms of um, discussing the legacy of Anoki. <laughs> that won't um, be this podcast. That will not be us. Um, <laughs> we'll find a way to do something. Uh, I, I don't know what we'll do, but I think Anoki would be happy about it. You know because... what? I was nearly going to like start off this conversation by like questioning whether he ended up with CTE. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to go. Just derail it immediately. Because um, you look at some of the antics and you're like, dude, far out. This dude was fucking nuts. Yeah, but that's the best part of it. He's a mad lad in all the best and worst ways. <laughs> so mad. So I mean, mad. I mean, you know, it, it's um, it's unfortunate, but like, you know, that I only just discovered the Anoki uh, transferring the um, he's fighting spirit into people. Mm. I mean, that footage is amazing. Like people yes. queuing up in the aisle to go down the ramp to come and be get the the shit slapped. Men and women, children, yeah, yeah. boys and girls, dogs, <laughs> cats. There's people coming down and Anoki just slapping the shit out of people. One of the uh, positives, I think, you know, of this, you know, very, I mean, it's not like it was a surprise. It was, it was, he was in ailing health the last couple of years. And, um, but obviously there's been a lot of discussion about his legacy, whatever. And as I said, lots of great podcasts out there will be doing a lot of great work, uh, including um, the lads at Keeping It Strong Style, uh, who. Great podcast. Yeah, I mean, literally one of the OGs of New Japan Pro Wrestling podcasting, uh, Jeremy and Young Boy Josh. I uh, I enjoy their stuff, and I was very thrilled to see that uh, Young Boy Josh had decided to send in questions. He's providing us a structure for our show, like almost saying, you know, maybe didn't you say, Josh, you didn't ask for questions, and so Young Boy Josh came to the aid. I, I forgot to ask for questions, and so he has jumped in off the top rope and said, "Here you go, uh, structure. Here you are. That might help." Uh, so I very much appreciate it. Uh, we have a bunch of questions for a bunch of different people, which is awesome, as per usual. But yeah, keeping a strong style has provided us a question, and the first one being the thoughts on the legacy and passing on Anoki, and um, obviously 
Um, as I said, I can recommend, you know, Super J Cast, uh, Keeping a Strong Style, Post Wrestling, Post Puroso. They're going to actually like delve into the legacy, the whole story, timelines, all these sorts of things about Anoki. Um, I'm interested to see what you lads think, but I, I mean, my kind of thinking around this has kind of been very much tied to the last discussion we had in terms of uh, where New Japan is now. Because obviously, if you're a newer fan of New Japan, Anoki has kind of been uh, sort of a, you know, a, an absent figure from a lot of the discussion in regards to contemporary New Japan, obviously because of his role at the end of his tenure at New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, and obviously once it was bought by Ukes and then by Bushi Road post the, his, his, like, uh, he's selling the company. Um, there was a new era under their leadership and obviously under Tanahashi and the new direction they went. Um, and I think it clouds a lot of people's views in regards to Anoki and what he did. Um, Anokiism, you know, looms large over any discourse because it's seen as the, um, precursor to what is now the golden era of new Japan pro wrestling. So it's seen as like the, the catalyst for that. It was so disastrous that it led to this rebirthing of the, the ACE and the new generation of, of new Japan pro wrestling. So it sort of has been characterized as that. And Anoki sort of been chucked into that in a lot of respects is sort of seen that way. And I, you haven't sort of seen a lot of him during that big golden run, but obviously in the last couple of years has been a, a under the, the new leadership uh, under Abari and that sort of stuff. I think you've felt like he's been a bit more present. I mean, obviously the when Jushin Thunder Liger retired that um, New Year's Dash show, when, when Anoki turned up on the screen to give a message, it got an audible like gasp in the audience because they knew, oh shit, that's a, like Anoki's on New Japan Pro Wrestling screen. Like, holy shit that there was a sort of a, a thawing and a softening, softening of that. And in this, in his 50th year um, of, of the company that he founded in 1972, um, it feels like they were really moving towards wanting Anoki on the show or being somewhere around. Obviously his health just didn't allow for that. Mm. Um, but it's clear that there's been a bit of a shift in terms of the thinking. I'm just, I'm just interested in sort of discussing more about what I think Anoki represents in pro wrestling as opposed to necessarily any going into great uh, uh, chronological detail about the man and his relationship in the JWA and his relationship with Barber. I don't think that's necessary. There's other places that would do a much better uh, career retrospective on, on his role in that. But I do think there's some, there's some philosophical stuff that comes out of what he represents and what he tried to do and things that I see in current New Japan that I believe are, a modern day articulation of a lot of what his intent was in those early days, as opposed to what he became, what he sort of got infatuated with during the the age of Enochism and the rise of pride, I guess. Um, so I'm interested in, yeah, what, what your thoughts on uh, uh, Tony Enochi are, if, if we have any. Well, I mean, mine, mine of this is very simple. And then the fact that it, just in terms of his body of work, in terms of matches, um, there's very few guys where you don't need to know anything about them at all, but they just have a presence, you know, like he had an absolute distinct presence. Like I watched a couple of him in WCW and obviously some stuff in new Japan, but, uh, he legit had a presence about him. Like the, like, like this guy's going to really mess you up and yeah, very few guys actually have the ability to have that. And that's kind of like what I took away from Anoki was just, he had a very, very strong presence about him. There was something you had to respect. Or, yeah, I'm with you, Red. I respect the lunacy. <laughs> I'm like, respect yeah. the respect, absolute cut snake. Respect the sheer size of the ego. Yeah. <laughs> and all the best. All the very best. <laughs> Think they're the best. 
And yeah, yeah. good God, did that man not think that he was the greatest? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, and exactly. that he was like a God, right? But the trouble with him was that in many cases, he did godly things. So you're like... Ah, and, then, get... and then he expected them from others. That's a... Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that then, is such a thing. When they, when they couldn't deliver, he was not a happy man. <laughs> I, I think there's something... Uh, great expectations. Uh, the Antonio Noki story... Um, what I loved about that is that for people that don't know, like Antonio Noki, um, this is the this is the bigger picture I wanted to sort of get to was what was he like? What did he represent? Because I don't think, like you said, Red, he has this like aura, and when you watch those matches or when you watch like you don't have to like I I can't here's here's a little thing I'll out myself here I struggle watching old wrestling matches I really do like I don't like I'm watching stuff unless it's like something that's like anything from the seventies I'm almost like okay we're uh, like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, are we, we're gonna oh, start, what, so you never watch the classics of Vern Gagne? <laughs> yeah, no, right? So that's the thing. Like, I struggle with that because of just stylistically and how we've moved and where we are in terms of work and all that sort of stuff. And that's fine. Oh, but yeah, that's not shit. It's really it's tough. It's, it's tough. Yeah, it's a different style. It's a no, no, it's, just, it's presentation. It's crap. Like, just let them be restless. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that's, that's the difference, Red, is he didn't, he didn't go that way, right? That wasn't he wasn't going in that position where like all, what all Japan did when they were bringing the funks and they were going in that direction. He went for the freak show. He went for, he understood that uh, the presentation was a key component. And the key part of it was, was how you just listen to the crowd. There are very few people that I cannot stress how over Antonio Inoki was like in terms of the investment. And the reason for that's really simple. And it's something that I think is the, the, the crux and it's the bones of what New Japan was and is and moves forward with. And it was like after the death of Ricky Dozen. So for people that don't know Japanese pro wrestling history, Ricky Dozen, right? Like the godfather of Japanese pro wrestling. Um, this Korean dude that was like, ended up getting killed by the Yakuza. Uh, like, but he was this, his whole story of his presentation as a wrestler was uh, post-war Japan taking on our, the outsiders and proving that Japanese strength was something that, you know, again, ironic considering the background of Ricky Dozan, but the idea of representing and, pro and projecting Japan, right? Fucking wrestling so weird. It is. It's the best. Uh, so, but then after I mean, straight from a Korean. <laughs> yes. Don't tell anyone because they don't like us here. You reckon uh, all the Japanese people that were watching were like, that dude doesn't look like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it might have been like, shut up, he's beating up the foreigners. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And and it sort of led to obviously then the, the birth of uh Anoki and Baba as a team and like being in the JWA and they were sort of being brought in. Um Anoki having spent a lot of time in Brazil as a as a young man, coming across and having this sort of worldly view or whatever. But anyway, he's in this space and then he sees obviously sees what Ricky Dozans does and how it works and how it's over. And then when you know, I don't forget the history of how the whole thing broke up, but obviously he goes off and starts, he, he leaves JWA after the death and, and he goes and starts new Japan and Barber goes and creates all Japan, which is the most important thing probably in, uh, in Japanese pro wrestling, for sure. These two pillars of their company going and starting their own thing, um, which would influence everybody for the rest of time. But they both went sort of different ways. All Japan had the NWA hookups. 
New Japan started with which with Gotch and they went with that strong style, right? The the birth of strong style, which was always about proving this sort of shoot-based style pro wrestling that they sort of crafted would be like, you know, catches, catch, can style informed, like all of this style of wrestling was going to be the best style of wrestling. So it was taking this idea of the Japanese conquering hero post-war versus the outsiders to sort of be like New Japan pro wrestling being the best form of pro wrestling, strong style being the best form of pro wrestling. And we'll take on outsiders to prove that our pro wrestling is the best. And so he would approach that. And he, you know, when he fought Ali or when he fought, he fought everyone. He fought Russians. He fought the great Antonio, beat the shit out of him. Yeah, he fought Spinks as well. Fought uh, Spinks. Yeah, not, not just the best form of pro wrestling, the best form of, of combat. Arts. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And how great is that as a, don't, don't you love the sheer lunacy that it takes to be like, <laughs> this, this work thing is the greatest form of martial art on the planet? Yeah, uh, uh, to be a fly on the wall when uh, he said to Yuji Nagata, "You're going to be fighting Krokop." Yeah, <laughs> oh, born Yuji Nagata, two fights for Krokop and Fedor, Fedor. Yeah. At his, in his prime when yeah. he's considered like the greatest heavyweight of all time. Yeah, and the thing is, is Nagata was a Olympic level wrestler. He just hadn't done it for a decade, so I was like, "Get in there, yeah. son. You'll be right. You'll be fine." He hadn't taken too many head kicks. And- <laughs> <laughs> be not. And then to be a fly on the wall when um, Inoki said to Nagata that he was going to be parachuting and have a plane to go and meet Saddam Hussein <laughs> yes. to, to talk about releasing the prisoners. I mean, he's never parachuted. And that's the thing. Like, that's where it all leads, right? That's where it gets to. Because the funny part about it is when Inoki was wrestling Ali, when he was doing that stuff, they were all worked. Like, they were all worked fights. They weren't real. By the time he gets to like by the time it gets to the Enoki of the mirror, it's shoot fights and he's putting people in there. It's like it's yeah. like be like me. It's like you weren't in a shoot fight, son. You were booking that. Like <laughs> what are, what is happening here? Why aren't you more like me? I think he genuinely believed in strong soul. I think he genuinely believed that the style of wrestling that they were enacting had this power. Because he, like Rocky Romero talks about it in the LA Dojo, like he, they would sit there and talk and he would, he would like tell them about this stuff and about like how that they could learn these like holds that Gotch would do or whatever, and that that would help them in their fights. And it's like, the, the sad part is, is that like a guy like Nakamura, like kind of semi-proved that it was possible. He, he fought a Gracie and held his own to some extent. Yes, Enochism wasn't great. We can all agree Enochism wasn't great. It didn't have, it, it did damage the guy's careers undoubtedly like it hurt it hurt yuji it hurt um they would go on and have good like yuji gato would go on and have a good career let's not kid ourselves like he had a good career oh yeah yeah he still does but hashimoto suffered because of it you know getting knocked getting basically shot on during a you know during a, a run like that wasn't that wasn't a good with a, a gower that shot on him and he couldn't defend like he did like it's a pro wrestling match. He didn't know what to do in that space. Like he's getting shot on legit by a shooter yeah. during a pro wrestling match because Anoki apparently yeah. said, uh, get him, take him down. This shit's real. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. I just love the idea that he, he somewhere along the lines convinced himself that what he was doing was real and therefore everyone else should do it the way he's done it. And it's like, no, Anoki, Anoki, that works. It's, it was works. Like, Nagata's just like, no, I can't. I'm not fighting Krokop like that. It's, it's a workman. Here's the thing. 
that's the part that I think is the special secret magic dust that makes New Japan what it is, is this unrivaled, unbridled adherence to reality and this belief that there is something true about that. It may not be factually correct, right? It may not be, it may not be real in that sense, but it's true. Like it feels real. It feels real to him. He believed it was real. Like that's the key. Like he thought it was real and it manifested itself in reality in terms of the way that people perceived it. And I think that that little nugget exists in New Japan Pro Wrestling to this day. It exists in the way that Tanahashi talks about pro wrestling. It exists in the way that any of these guys uh, exist in that space. Of course, I've made jokes and I jest and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, what the guy has done is rather extraordinary. Like the guy has yeah. lived life. Like, you know what I mean? Like He created New Japan Pro Wrestling off his own back. He hmm. built a company he created a system he he introduced his first young boy was tetsuni fujinami wow. right and ricky choshu that was his two boys so that's that's the start he ushered in the the three musketeers that's anoki you can't take it away from him like he he created big van vader that it was leon white before Vic, before he went to new japan that's this is like anoki knew what he was doing and he he would lose to get guys over. There's no doubt about that. He wasn't against making money. It wasn't all ego of him. It was about, it was about proving how good New Japan Pro Wrestling and Strong Style could be. That was a big driving motivator. So I, you can't deny that. Like, granted, he is like if Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon were the, one, the same person, like it's a crazy combination of insanity that makes him him. I mean, he got, he was a politician that got ousted with scandal after scandal. He embezzled money with kick. Like he was one of those characters that because of how he presented himself on the television program on new Japan pro wrestling, because of the way that he created the, the myth of himself, the character of himself, because of all of that, he skated through everything. There's scandal after scandal that, that is related to Antonio Noki. Half the stuff that he says he did, he probably didn't do. Most of it's myth-making. It's a great example of how to craft a narrative, Sounds but it good. worked. Yeah. yeah, but it worked. And it wouldn't matter what he did. People would support and endorse and, and they'd back him because that's, that's just the way it, it went. Because if you craft a character that people can relate to, they will follow you to the end of the earth, regardless of whether you've embezzled the money, you've said that God has driven you to sack your longtime manager. Like this man was, this man was something else. As I said, he is literally Vince McMahon, Hulk Hogan, one man. He's, he was a character that I don't think can exist in the contemporary context. I don't think he will ever, you'll never get another Antonio Inoki. And it's probably a good thing in a lot of respects. Um, but I was, I was <laughs> saying, but I was saying, I feel like as Red was sort of saying, he was like, like, isn't it crazy how Inoki felt like it was real. And I, and I was sort of picking up on that point as being the, the sort of driving part of what I think New Japan has sort of built on the back of is the belief of reality. That, that fervent belief in reality that Anoki took too far is the key ingredient. It's the magic thing that makes New Japan what it is, is this ability to pretend like it's real and commit to that at all costs. Yeah, because I feel like it, New Japan kind of treats itself like uh universe within our universe like within the universe of new japan pro wrestling this shit is real 
Uh, it just happens to take place here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when you're here, this is what you have to abide by. And like in the last decade, when you say Anoki, like his influence is still clear. Like he had influence on guys, but it's very clear in obviously Suzuki um, and Shibata. And to me, the thing about Shibata is, is like, okay, well, he's the head trainer of your LA dojo. And he's obviously the future head of your, your entire developmental system. Obviously that's where they're headed. So it's not like we're avoiding the Anokiist approach, which was Shibata, who's the post Anokiism decided to do Anokiism. <laughs> like, like that's the thing, like Shibata, he's from that same school of like, I believe my training in, in this, this discipline can translate, you know, with varying degrees of success for Paul Ketsuyori Shibata. But he believed in it. And Suzuki's in the same boat. Like Suzuki has got so much of a Noki in him in terms of like Pancrase. Like, what do you think mm. that is? Like, it's this movement of I believe in this style. And I'm so, like when people say strong style and they talk about strong style, it's one of those really amorphous terms that I struggle necessarily to be able to define because I don't necessarily think New Japan Pro Wrestling the last decade would be characterized as strong style in the way that it used to be in terms of what people said, like shoot fighting. Like that's not how New Japan has gotten to the spot it's gotten. Okada's not like strong style. Tanashi's not strong style in that sense. But strong style to me always spoke to like real. Yeah, believability. Um, believability. And that doesn't have to be manifest itself in, you know, in fist to the face, you know, headbutts, uh, you know, quick five minute matches, chokeholds. It has to in terms of authentic and feeling like it's like it's a, a sport, like it's feeling like this is strong style is a presentation of pro wrestling, to, regardless of the the world that exists, the space around it, that is actually that is like as you said, Dave, that feels real. And that to me is strong style. It's not as showy as the King's Road style. It's and Ironically, Noah's become more like strong style where they beat the shit out of each other and they kick each other a lot and that's and the finish can come at any time. And that's fine. That's fine. It's a good approach and people like that and they like that style of pro wrestling. That's cool. But I think the New Japan style is being able to merge pro wrestling, like true pro wrestling style. Yeah. With with reality. And that's a magic trick. That's to me the biggest trick is they've been able to make it feel real whilst also feeling super grandiose and super like they've had all those elements but it still feels real um and i think to me that's the sort of the legacy of anoki is this commitment to believing in reality because think about it when he's wrestling like ali he's doing that shoot fight thing and he's legit like he probably would have won that fight on points in the modern era <laughs> just on his back fucking kicking the whole time but like that isn't real like it's so absurd that it shouldn't work, but because he made you believe it was real, it made this whole thing feel legitimate. And I think that's the key. Legitimacy is strong style. Strong style is legitimacy. You have to believe these guys. And we talk about it all the time, man. We talk about Yano. We're like, oh, he's a real shooter. Like you can mm-hmm. believe that he it's like, but he's not like he's a character, but we know him to be legitimate because that's the New Japan way. Right. And it hasn't changed. And it's been that way since 72. Like the moment they develop the talent, they come in as legit and i think that has not changed and you see it to this day every guy we know that comes through is the legacy of anoki's there 
whether they come out and wrestle in black trunks and black boots and they do the Inogi thing, that's not, it's irrelevant. Yeah. Or they come out looking like they're straight from the circus. Yeah. They all bathe in the, in the fucking, the, the sweat of Inoki, right? Like, <laughs> so for me, it's like, I think we're going to see a lot this, the next, put it this way, Dave, I've now gone from, I think Akata is winning at Wrestle Kingdom. And I think he's going to be doing the classic Anoki catchphrase at the end of the night. Well, now that he's died too, that might be like, yes. well. Think of the imagery of that. Like, Okada is going to have to go through Jonah, like this equivalent of a Vader-type character. He's going to, have to yeah. go through the big guy, and then he's going to have to beat the, the menacing foreign ace. Mm. And that, to me, is that's the most Anoki story you can tell, is I've got to beat this foreign giant, and prove that this style, and it's no surprise that Okada is wearing the Anoki robe and he's got the Anoki towel and he has the gear that's that's mirroring Anoki. And then he's going to head to beat up a guy that one is the Vader element. And then, yeah, he's going to go to the dome and in the 50th okay. year, <laughs> yeah, the heat, the heat. And uh, Jay just ruins everything. <laughs> and And to some extent, I was saying before, to some extent, that would be the most, that would in a lot of ways be a call to Anoki, where I said, like, Anoki wasn't about ego, it was about money. And if I need to make a guy, I'll make a guy. And, but I do like that story of him at the end of the night, do the, you know, the uh, Ichi Nissan, like doing that chant at the Tokyo Dome, proclaiming himself after beating a foreign ace and proclaiming, New Japan Pro Wrestling to be back on his back and he's the guy to take it forward. And we said it at the beginning of the year that they were... kids. Yeah, we said... And, it, and then line them up. Everybody, line, line up. Line up. And Okada's <laughs> going to slap them all down. And that would be a great way to finish the night. Everybody line up. I want half of the AEW roster to come over and stand in line so he can slap them too while it's going. And yeah, we can just... Can be last. <laughs> that would be tremendous. <laughs> I think that's the important message to remember is, um, you know, about Anoki is that we could all have a bit of his fighting spirit and be a little bit more humble. And <laughs> just, you know, be, you know, who we are meant to be. You know? Just believe in that our style and what we're passionate about is the ultimate thing. And that our former doctrine is better than your doctrine. Ah, uh, Al, yeah. I mean, we subscribe to our own version of Anarchism on this podcast. 100% we do. Yeah. 100% we do. We believe. This style of pro wrestling is the strongest style of pro wrestling. Yeah. And we will tell you every week. But that's that's the point I wanted to get to. Is like you can look at it at a very literal example and say, oh yeah, anokism. But it's the vibe. It's just the vibe. It's the vibe. It's the vibe. 100 percent It's all vibes. It's Anoki, the anoki of the thing. Yeah, it's the anoki of the thing, man. Like it's not, it's not about him being a literal translation. It's like no, it's this commitment to this idea, the International Wrestling Grand Prix, like New Japan being the best. Like you talk about all the time, Red, about like Mortal Kombat. You love that idea. That's a Noki all over, man. That's the story I've never, of him. I've never said that before. Please. I, I like, I like. The amount I, of time you talk about the G1 like Mortal Kombat is. <laughs> I just I, was going to say, you threw in a castle reference. I was about to say, um, Dennis Denoki. <laughs> yeah, not bad. Not bad. I like the Enoki of it though, Red. That could be a catchphrase. The Inoki of it. Um, because it's not about, as I said, it's, it's a vibe thing. You feel the, the, the way that he set up the company. It's like the, 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 the legacy is there. You don't see it in a Tanahashi necessarily. You don't see it in a 
Okada necessarily, but you hear it in the way that they talk about the place and their belief in strong style. You know? It's like just as well you bought fifty one percent and sacked him because it wouldn't exist. <laughs> no, no. Let's be real. Like, let's be yeah. real. Like he, he, he took it. He was driving the RV and he just took a hard <laughs> right going, turn yeah. right in the ditch. Just going straight into a pole. Yes. And that's the thing. I always, I choose to accept that was the run, but I choose to cherish the great time. Like <laughs> he had it for like 30 years were, were good. And then, you know, maybe about 95 and the embezzlement came in. Like maybe that was starting to get a bit concerning. <laughs> but in any case, it's like I said, I, I choose to believe in um, the vibe of the thing the vibe well, of Anoki. Look, dude man at the end of the day all wrestlers are carnies and uh all promoters are like the ultimate carny everyone and, wants to be an Oki, don't they yeah he's just another fucking carny yeah and, and, uh, and now the evolution is they're no longer carnies they're cons <laughs> that's true what they a are. bunch of cons they mm. are and i do think that that idea of the the wrestler that believes in themselves and their style I think you have to endorse that. We we spent a whole time talking about auteur theory and Anoki, he was like the Sam Peckinpah. Like he yeah, was, was a first. lunatic. Mm. And and whether you like it or not, you get the wild bunch, but you also get some like insane stories about things that you could never do in a million years now. But that's he created a platform where that was possible. And ultimately, because of his actions, the way he did it, it led to late-stage Sam Peckinpah uh, shooting guns naked in the fucking shack. But to some extent, that's you take him at his best. You've got to take him at his worst. You accept the pre- the premise of the world that he created, the universe that he created, and you have to give thanks to that because that mad lad and his fucking insanity led to what we have now and... In so many cases, everyone's going to be eulogizing him beautifully. And we're like, fuck him. <laughs> Sam Peckinpah or fucking pro wrestling, this carny cunt. But I do think that that the that the vibe, the Enoki of it all is the great takeaway, is that he made a place where legitimate pro wrestling could be a thing, where you could have pro wrestling feel legitimate. He nearly killed that idea. Yeah. Like 100%, he nearly killed that He's idea. Best. Yeah. He, yes. But in many ways, when you look at modern day UFC and modern day mixed martial arts, it's like there's a lot of Noki in that too. Oh, and yeah, absolutely. So much Noki. So I do think that the idea of making an art form legitimate and believing in it and committing to it and not pretending that it was anything other than it, it belonged in the same discussion, that pro wrestling belonged with judo and it belonged with all like jujitsu, it belonged in all these d- disciplines. The level of insanity that it takes to believe that you can, if you believe it long enough, you just might make it true. And so now when people look at New Japan Pro Wrestling, they talk about it as, and you hear it, people talk about, oh, it's the greatest pro wrestling. The funny part about it is, it's like, it's not that. We always joke about New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's not what people view it as in terms of it's just one thing. It's all these things. But that's the Enoki of it all. The shadow that he cast over it is people believe it to be strong style pro wrestling. People say strong style all the time. And it's true. It's legitimate. He made it that way. I mean, I mean, there's the, you know, the original uh, Chuck Norris jokes were actually about Anoki. Like, you know, how Anoki was bitten by an Eastern Brown, which is one of the most dangerous snakes in all of Australia. And after seven agonizing days, the snake finally died. To, uh, to quote you, Josh, uh, oh. I was watching Transformers 
And it got me thinking about wrestling and the way it's all evolved. And it's kind of like how Megatron, while he is a villain, while Megatron is is a villain, villain, uh, he is the ultimate um, uh, optimist. Holy shit, Red. Are you you about to endorse fascism while we're going here? He never, ever thinks that he's going to lose. He always thinks his plan is the best. He always thinks that he's going to win. And it got me thinking about Anoki. 1989 Transformers got me thinking about Antonio Noki. Brilliant, Red. I'm so happy and, to hear this. Where we are within the world in the scheme of wrestling. I, I said, go somewhere else to listen about Antonio Noki. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know what you expect from us. Grateful. Mm. Very grateful for the man. Yeah. Well, I like I like the thing he made. Yeah, I like I like <laughs> Mr. Anoki. Um, I like the things you slapped. Oh, he slapped. He slapped. Oh, That's he slapped. Takeaway. Anoki slaps. slaps. That's a T-shirt. Anoki yeah. slaps. Anoki slaps. I, he needs to take over the job at the Pearly Gates, right? Slapping every fucking oh book through. <laughs> okay. So looking at some questions here, there's an interesting question, another question from Keeping It Strong Style, which ties everything together. And it's sort of tying into what you were talking before, Dave, about the Oceanic brand. Um, so the young boy asks again about our excitement for New Japan's new Oceanic brand. And... Uh, following on from that, Dr. Jonathan, if Dr. Jonathan is back, he asked a question at Jonathan Foy about Shingo hasn't yet been announced for Tamashi, but will be in town uh, a month earlier for another show. Are we getting another announcement or a surprise on the day? So here's a question. Royal Quest happened this weekend and had a you know fairly stacked card in terms of names over in, in the UK. Um, I'm looking at the New Japan Tamashi uh, talent announcements thus far, and you know it's the there's the the it's 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 needs more people. There needs to be some more people. Um, and we're you know we're just over you know five six weeks away from the event. Obviously, um, lots of water to go on the bridge or whatever to get to that point. New Japan is pretty slow in announcing these things. Shingo coming into PWA is one awesome for PWA, but hopefully a sign that the man will be attending our show um what's he gonna do for a month though well he's not gonna stay he's coming in for a shot <laughs> um he can stay here shingo come yeah, over to I the mean, north yeah. coast mate yeah we'll, yeah we'll take him come and chill i mean i would love to have shingo over for a month i think most I people would train would. i would train with him yes that would be great you everyone wants the shingo board that's the key that's that's peak male performance is the shingo body well why would you bring him over if you're not going to bring him back i'd, I'd be like oh so Where's our excitement level for this new Oceanic brand? We still haven't quite, for me, I don't have any clue exactly what it's going to be. I do get excited about it when you don't really know what it is. Yeah, when they're like announcing that the Fale Dojo guy is going to be there, like Tony Cosenda's like, yeah, it's like, it's like okay, great. All, all, all credit to you, lad. You're doing a great job over there coaching, but I'm not exactly maybe like, Maybe those front row tickets were their price for a reason. <laughs> I do feel like this is kind of what New Japan do, right? Like they announce a event and then they wait for the cards because they have to wait for all the other events and stuff to happen um i'm very hopeful that we at least get basically every every australian that's in new japan wrestling i hope comes down that's kind of my my kind of goal it would make sense wouldn't it it would but it's like my base level for just like if we get you know aussie open and jonah and like 
Robbie and all those guys. Like, because Robbie hasn't even been announced. It's obvious Robbie's going to be there. If Robbie's not there <laughs> and it's in his actual promotion, it'd be like, well, what's going on? Yeah. Um, so, but they haven't announced them. So it gives me hope that there's lots of talent announcements to come. Obviously, you know, they announced Kenta and it's just, it was curious, like Kenta and Ishimori. It's just a curious announcement of like, and then Jeff Cobb just randomly popping up. And it's like, okay, this is a good sign, maybe. Yeah, they got to wrestle someone. Exactly. I'm like, are they going to wrestle a bunch of uh, local boys? And I'm not against that. Like I saw with Royal Quest, I like this, the, the idea of what Royal Quest did, where at the top, they've got the New Japan guys, but on the undercards, they fill them out with some RevPro guys they think have got potential. You know, Michael Oku was there and Ricky Knight Jr. Giving those guys opportunities. That I like that idea. I'm not against that. But I, my excitement for the brand is like, was pretty high when they announced it. And I was like, okay, let's see what the cards are coming. And then I saw the Royal Quest. I'm like, why don't they love us like they love them? And then I was like, hoping <laughs> like, can can we see something maybe? Um, we we have we have a better climate, better food, better women and men and animals. We have better animals. We are girt by sea. Hello to all our British listeners. Uh, but uh, yes, I mean, I'm not going to argue with that. Um, I, I think we're pretty grouse in here, Ed. Pretty grouse. We're pretty good. Oh, no, look, I mean, don't get me wrong. The English, the British listeners, like I am literally designed for your country. Not yeah. This yeah. Um, and, and still you wouldn't go there. It's the key. That's the key. <laughs> but nonetheless, I do think, I don't know what it's going to be. That's the, that's the thing about it. I have no clue if it's going to be New Japan Strong of Australia or is it just going to be like Farley's Dojo Showcase? If it's Farley's Dojo Showcase, well, I mean, there's going to be some pissed off people in that arena. Yeah, like. yeah I think so. <laughs> like, I don't think it would have sold out as quick as it was if that's what people were hoping for. Well, that's the thing. I think people, the excitement for that in Sydney is the brand. And people know that the opportunity to watch New Japan Pro Wrestling in a, a fairly intimate setting is going to drive a lot of interest. We talked about it, like Shingo being announced and going to PWA is great for PWA. Like yeah. you've got an opportunity for people to learn and to see what that looks like up close and to be able to imagine the possibility of being able to transition to that space. And like you got a guy there in Robbie Eagles training people who is the perfect example of what's possible. Like yeah. you can make it over there. You can be the junior champ. You can be a champion over in New Japan. Like yeah, he's proven that possible. I think the key for Australian audience is just being able to see that there's an investment in the same way that yeah. Royal Quest, the fucking president was over there. They were doing meet and greets of everyone that like I'm hearing stuff on the discord about people going up and talking to the president, like just talking about stuff, getting in, you're getting scoops because the guy's just there talking, trying to build this organic, you know, relationship between the crowd and the people and the people that care enough to travel and go to these shows. Mm. Same thing here. You have to reward the diehards that are investing to go to these things sight unseen. The, the 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 card is announced like the the show's announced and we're signing up to be there but if you sign up it's like yeah we'll be happy to watch guys but we also want to get some level of investment man like seriously the uk got fucking zach and naito like come on now like give us something <laughs> let's be careful with expectations yeah i know right but that's well, the thing we, about it where it's like but it wasn't a much bigger stadium day we we, we yeah. did get osprey and eagles Right, and that's what I'm saying. In the past, we got those type of matchups. So the question is, is that what it's going to be or is it going to be something a little bit different, not like that type of event? I don't know. So I don't know where to be on the scale of excitement. It's so hard. Well, they haven't even really 
there's no like zero matches announced. There's zero really of anything being announced. So it's hard to know. I mean, maybe it's just a meet and greet. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> it's like, okay, if Kenta's there, and I can get, get you know, slapped by Kenta. Oh, yes. Let's do that. Yeah, so that's the thing. We have we have no idea who's going to be there. And that's the part. It's very hard to invest in it until they show us something to really invest in. Like, it's just, it's the most eclectic announcements of talent I've seen in a long while. It's just like, Kenta, Ishimori. It's like, like at this point, they're like throwing a dog bone, you know? Yeah. It's like, just hold them on. And then, and then it was like, Cobb came out. It's like, oh, okay. That, okay, that's a good sign. And then Cobb, nothing. And then nothing. Radio <laughs> silence. And then Tony Corzina or whatever. Like, I'm like, okay, bud. But like, that probably doesn't need a graphic. Like, it's, it's like, <laughs> and good for him. Good I for think, him. Great and, trainer. Um, but, Someone Villa Lobos. Yeah, the, the young boys. And that's cool. The yo, yeah. young boys are getting their run. You know, Michael Richards and Jake Taylor, awesome. It's not the level of expectation of what you would really ideally want. But I do want to see those young boys. And I think that's cool to be able to see them in their early stages, like our young boys. Going to watch our young boys go out there. But who are they wrestling? And ultimately, who's going to be on top and what are we going to be able to invest in? I just hope that they realize that if they don't present a product, like the level of wrestling in Australia and in PWA is high. So mm-hmm. if they don't bring their best, people will go, well, why did I bother investing in a new Japan show? If I didn't go and watch, have a show that I felt was at a level that I expect of new Japan pro wrestling. Like there's an expectation that new Japan has just associated with their brand that at least you'll have a match there that you'll go. That was unbelievable i got to see something great and hearing the reports of royal quest they had like two of them right and granted i don't think we'll get an ftr aussie open level <laughs> match I don't, I don't expect that right but i do feel like you have to reward this yeah you can win at this least, market at least a water closet bat out or something yes get him out there <laughs> right but like you, but like that's the thing, man. Like you just like you, I'd love to see an Australian, some Australian talent get showcased, hundred percent. Mm. Um, because I think that works. But I don't think you can say, well, we're going to have it's going to be half PWA, half. It has to be like it's going to be if it's going to be like strong, those strong tapings. It's going to be like that. Then they have top guys there as well, and they showcase them with local guys and international guys. That can be that can be the model that works. But at the end of the day, you still have to have. A couple of top matches and until we see what right. until i see the names i won't be sure just give us death match despy and all will be forgiven good god could you imagine seriously yeah. this That'd is that, that's the truest thing dave it doesn't take it doesn't take a lot honestly yeah. it doesn't <laughs> take a lot and this sort of speaks to a broader thing like the type of people that will buy a ticket to new japan tamashi which like what does that even mean the people have no real clue. They're buying sight unseen. They're selling the place out sight unseen. No idea off the back of Kenta Fale Ishimori. The type of people that, that do that, if you brought Tai Chi or Despi, that's all you need. Like you just yeah. need to bring the freaks, mm. right? The freaks, freaks. The freaks that love this shit have certain type of characters that they, like Kenta's one of them, let's be real. Yeah. But like those type of characters, you don't need to bring all the stars. Just bring the ones that get, that drive the hardcore fucking sickos like well, i mean those guys i remember when like we were first getting into new japan we, we when we go off and see the shows and i genuinely felt like we were being rewarded 
back then because we had like the Bullet Club and, you know, and we saw Cody Rhodes and we, we saw like actual stories play out in front of us. You know what well, I mean? That like, first one was a little bit like that. The second one definitely read. The second one was yeah. like a full, we had a story pay off in front yeah, of us. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. And so I think I know, we still got big names in that first one, like Carter. We remember Carter was fucking wrestling in the bar. Yeah, I know. Crazy. Right, right beside me and the Irish guy. Yeah. Yeah. And that, but that was the thing of like being able to be that close in those settings was like, you're right, Rip, but that was, they were trying to capture the audience at that time. Mm. And their, their philosophy, I think, was, yeah, well, let's go to these places and see if there's a market. And mm. there was a market. I, I kind of feel like that's kind of almost where they need to be again after the pandemic. Like, yeah. you know, just sort of like not so much capture the market because there's already fans, but just be like, look, look, here, we are here. Let's let's recapture you. Just sort of flop it out. Yeah, basically. Just whip it out. Let whip us, it out. Let us have a nibble and you know, just, hopefully it's washed. But like it's and- saying, Red, like this is this is our territory. Like Red, like the benefit of New Japan Pro Wrestling for an Australian audience is you can watch it at prime time. You can watch it like it's a perfect market. It just is. Well, get allowed, well, I mean, there's actually I can't you, I'm banned from asking the questions, but I could pitch why they should come to Australia mm. to two particular people if you would like to ask the question. Okay, yes, I'll ask the question. Another <laughs> doctor, another doctor, I'll set you up here, Red. So why should they send everyone, Red? Uh, and it's off the back of a question from the other doctor, from Dr. Gary, uh, Dr. Gary P. Mariner. Yes, it is. Ah, yes, um, rocks. So, yes, so Dr. Gary asks, what are the absolute quintessential Aussie foods that Kenta and Ishimori have to try when they come for Tamashi? When this question came through, Red, um, everyone that knows uh, your your uh, culinary pretense <laughs> uh, <laughs> has been evidenced here multiple times at, at my expense. Uh, knows that you are the one suited to answer this question. So, Red, wow. what it, are the absolute quintessential Aussie foods that Kenta and Ishimori have to try when they come for Tamashi? Well, uh, Dr. Gary, the first one would have to be on the list is a salad Subway. Oh, this is... <laughs> did you see, Red, did you see what Naito ate when he was in the yes, UK? Yes, yes, yes. Did uh, you no, see what the man did? Uh, look, uh, Dr. Gary, I'm, I'm going to tell you one thing about Australia. Uh, we are a very multicultural country, and, and <laughs> while... A lot of the um foods that Dr. You know, Gary's Australian, by the way. Red. Oh, okay, Dr. Gary, g'day, mate. <laughs> Let me teach you about Australia, Dr. Gary. Dr. Gary, uh, hey, Cobber. <laughs> well, you would know, mate. Um, crikey, uh, there's a lot, <laughs> Jesus of, there's a lot of really put nice on thick, food. Red. You're putting uh, on thick. If it's one thing that I, we're good at, it's stealing like other people's cultures <laughs> I would, um... <laughs> or ignoring that they exist or ignoring them completely. <laughs> I I would uh, skip like all the things like, you know, the tokenistic Vegemite sandwiches and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, where, where we, I would just go things like, you know, a kebab, a kebab that you can Quite <laughs> <laughs> um, essential. You know, something, something like that. So uh, Australian. Uh, you know, I mean, we, we have a lot of spag bowl. Oof, absolute staple. <laughs> Crikey, got to get the spag bowl in there. For all of your listeners who don't know what spag bowl is, it's spaghetti bolognese. 
<laughs> it's like, you know, you can get you can get a sandwich, we toasty them like under a sandwich press and we call them toasties or we even have a special one called a jaffle iron. Yeah, the jaffle. And we make jaffles. <laughs> Maybe we get them a jaffle. What's, what's, jaffles. Oh, what's, let's let's yeah. burn all of their mouth. What's yeah. what's even better about the jaffle is say you make spag bowl the night before, you can make a oh. spag bowl jaffle. Oh, here we yeah. go. We're just giving them fucking and like, and then they're getting smashed the night before. Is that what's happening? Yeah. And then and then, and then while, while you're at it, you can just go into any little old lady's house and on a Sunday and she'll make I don't think you can do rocks. that. <laughs> I don't recommend it. it. No, I don't That's recommend any nice. travelers try that. What is a quintessential Aussie food? Bag bowl. <laughs> it's, <not Australian. laughs> it's like Australia. People say pavlova, but that's kiwi, isn't it? Uh, um, well, there has plenty of kiwi fruit on it. So, uh, like, pie, pie, and um, sausage roll, the meat pie. But isn't, that's an English thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, oh, butter chicken. <laughs> <laughs> the beauty of Australia, in all respects, is. Uh, we're like the Enoki of foods where we just, we have this unbridled belief in ourselves that we can make it better than everybody else. And somehow <laughs> butchered everything that is Australia in a nutshell. Uh, I mean, what do you do? Do you go, do you go like damper? Is that, is that like is, yeah. is that where we're headed? <laughs> yeah. Cause we're all eating damper. All yeah. Time. That's how we do. We, we huddle yeah. around, we go out and shoot the ruse. And then we make uh, oh, there you go. kangaroo. Maybe, maybe that's. Ishimori like would be. Let's just let's just yeah. don't kid ourselves. Some lean Ishimori protein, Ishimori. Boy, kangaroo. Eat, eat some kangaroo. Mate. I, I've had some really nice kangaroo. I've actually had kangaroo spag bowl. I've had kangaroo hot dogs. I've had uh, kangaroo on my pizza. You're going to set up red right now a level of stereotype for us that's not going to be that's not going to be unrivaled. Others who aren't from this country do need to understand that we are the only country that eat the two animals on our national emblem yes yeah i've had emu spag bowl um i've had an emu jaffle i don't think I've, i don't know if i've ever eaten emu yeah it's tough what are we <laughs> oh, i can tell you what we are uh it's uh <laughs> <laughs> maybe 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 that's why dr gary's asking is he doesn't know either yeah, <laughs> yeah, to, i think we're all trying to figure it out what's the quintessential aussie food uh, look, I'm just going to say the quintessential Aussie food is a spag bowl jaffle. That, that's <laughs> nothing gets more Australian than that, Red. It's a combination of multiple cultures <clears throat> being made as bland as possible. Yep. Uh, Australia. Or, or what, what about? Throwing in a bit of bread. <laughs> yeah. White yeah. bread. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Make sure it's fucking white. What about a Sanger sandwich? Like, you know, a Bunnings sausage. Not bad. You know, not bad. Send, send yeah. the boys to Bunnings. Yeah, just a sausage. Not a hot dog. It's a, a sausage, sausage sizzle. Sandwich, yeah. a sausage sizzle, maybe. With it's onion. Like onion. Yeah, yeah, onion. Yeah, you can get yeah. like tomato sauce and some uh, mustard yeah, can, on it. That's what we need to do. Oily as fuck. Yeah, reason. Sunday morning. Sunday morning, we get Kenta and Ishimori down to local Bunnings. Yep. Yeah. Uh, like after yeah, the show, yeah. you know, before yep. the show, come down, have a couple of have a couple of sangers. Yep. And they can get a lamington. Oh, here we go. Yeah, oh. Lamington. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is brilliant, Red, because uh, Lamington might be a perfect quintessential Aussie, uh, Aussie uh, food because not only is it a food, it's also a racial slur. So it works on both levels, I think, to some extent. I think it's like a, a perfect quintessential Australian food. You know, yeah. it has, it, it just, it's dripping in hate and old ladies at the hockey club. 
So I like the combination. There are people listening to this show, and I do, we have a lot of audience that aren't from Australia, and I wonder what they think of us like in the broader sense of don't like, wonder that <laughs> i do i can't help but think it because it's like we're like a gateway to right. australia and we're like in many in many cases other than <laughs> other like we, we are we're the gateway boys to australia and people are learning about australia through us so just think about it think about what we what we with we are like we're like opening up the world to this like someone someone just learned about lemmington's and learned how as a young boy josh was scored one and it's a great it's a, it's a, it's a tremendous <laughs> they're learning so many things about this country uh <laughs> that, that i just think <laughs> 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 